Get ready for four strategies to help you write the best IEP. Whether you're a parent, teacher, admin, or therapist, these strategies are for you. Welcome to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Witcher, and I have with me four master IEP coaches who are going to drop some truth bombs on what it really takes to write an awesome IEP. So we're gonna go around the room here and share who you are as a master IEP coach and how you ended up at the IEP table. Jessica, let's start with you. Hi, I'm Jessica Ann Kong, and I started at the IEP table as a special needs sibling. My youngest brother is on the autism spectrum, and then I also had a child that is also on the spectrum. And I've been, I was say, you have professional experience, though, yes, too. Yes, so, I, I have uh, RBT and now a special education teacher experience, so... All right, so you're bringing us multiple different perspectives. I can't wait to hear what you have for your strategies for writing the best IEP. Kirby, share with us, how did you end up at an IEP table? Hi, I'm Kirby Morgan, and I ended up at the IEP table as a parent um, looking for better solutions. And now I find myself at a lot of IEP tables helping a lot of other parents get some great solutions to their IEPs. I can't wait to hear what you have for us today. Carla, how did you end up at an IEP table? Hi, my name is Carla Vasquez, and I ended up at the IEP table for my son. Uh, he has autism, ADHD, and anxiety. Uh, and We're excited. I can't wait to hear from a parent perspective. We've got so many uh, different areas that you can help us with, with your personal experience and building an IEP that works. Amy, share with us, how did you end up at an IEP table? It's me, Amy B. I ended up at an IEP table. My parents loved special education and I used to do special Olympics as a child. Um, I started working special education, pretty much all fields. Um, I had a child that had a transplant, which led to an IEP. She had a 504 plan. So I've seen it as a parent, personally, as an educator, just kind of all around, I've come to the IEP table. And I love it. So we have a lot of different experiences. So again, no matter what your role is at the IEP table, I want you to lean in and listen to the experiences because there's no one right way to write an IEP, but we can always make an IEP better. So we're gonna start with Jessica. Jessica, share with us an area of the IEP that you know can be improved from experience. I really feel that the accommodation section of the IEP is an area that can be um, very specific. So you need to make sure that you're being specific. I had a client that in the IEP, it stated under accommodations, the child needed special paper. Nobody knew what this special paper was and they moved around a lot. They ended up moving to another district and the district was like, well, what special paper are you guys using? So what the child actually needed was black contrast paper with silver pencils. And I, it was just amazing the difference that makes because when they moved again, the school was already prepared. They knew exactly what the child needed. So we went from special paper to black contrast paper with metallic pencils. Like I would have never guessed that being a former special education teacher and working on IEPs for 25 years, I, I can tell you that I've never seen in an IEP black paper with metallic pencils. And I would definitely need that to be specific for the IEP to work in my classroom. So if you have accommodations and modifications in your child's IEP, which by the way, parents, you do, they're there, I promise you, make sure they are really specific. Kirby, tell us what do you have 
uh, when it comes to writing an IEP to make it better? Mine is a tip about communication among the team members. You are going to see your team, team members in all um, different environments. You may talk to them um, and get a quick update in the car loop line, or you may talk to them while volunteering on campus. But my advice is to always follow up with an email and make sure you close out your email with something to the effect, if, there, if I'm not understanding, if there is something I'm misunderstanding, please let me know so that the team is always on the same page. Because when we're all implementing an IEP, communication is vital to the team. Absolutely. And I love that you pointed out that it's okay to have conversations about the IEP outside of a formal IEP meeting, as long as we're documenting it, because we can't write a great IEP if we're not documenting the conversations in between. So for every mama who is going through the carpool line and they're having these conversations really quick, or the aide drops some information to you as they were helping, you know, your child come out to the car, just make sure you document. And I love that line, Kirby, that we use all the time as master IP coaches. You can just send an email that says, and if I've misunderstood anything, please let me know. If you don't hear from the team, then you haven't misunderstood anything. We'll be on a common page. I love it. All right, Carla, bring us the next strategy for writing an IEP. The next strategy would be for me, um, being open to trying new things. So when my son was in preschool and he would get restless in school and not able to focus, the teacher tried out uh, heavy, heavy work, heavy lifting, and they would fill a bag and he would go to other teachers, other classrooms to visit, drop off mail or whatever he needed to do. And after he was done walking up the stairs with that heavy school bag and coming back, he was able to focus for the day. And that wasn't initially in the IEP, but they came to me and asked if we can put that in. And I thought that was a great idea. And you said you started to try that at home then? Oh yeah, I did. As soon as they told me about it, I tried it at home. He was bringing in the groceries at three and four years old. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So that's really important for everybody to understand that just because it's not in the IEP doesn't mean that you can't try it. You don't have to put it in the IEP to try it. When it comes to a lot of accommodations, modifications, doing things a little bit differently, you can definitely switch it up, take some data on it, and then add it into the IEP. All right, Amy, it's all you. I'm going to say accountability, accountability, accountability. Who's doing what? What are they doing? When are they doing it? How are they doing it? Is it working? So and if it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's okay. Change it. Um, <laughs> finding the members within the team that have the value and making sure that everyone's communicating as other people said, and always thanking that person. Thank you for supporting my child. So, so yes, let's, accountability. Let's talk about that accountability just for a minute, because you just asked like five different questions in there. Like who's doing it and how are they doing it? And why are they doing it? And when are they doing it? And, and all of those things. So you've been on the professional side where you've you know been involved in implementing the IEPs and now you know you've been on the other side where you have things implemented for your family so how do you how do you do that accountability like where does it go where like where is this elusive accountability where and the reason i'm asking is because it can go in a lot of different places so i'm honestly curious of where have you seen it because i can list you know about five different places that i know accountability can go for those things um, I've seen it work and I've seen it work with just reminding the person, 
you know, um, checking back in with them three, four weeks later. Hey, how is the black, you know, the metallic paper with the pencil going? Do we need to switch that paper? Maybe it's not working. But checking in with them as a parent, as an instructional assistant, as a teacher, making sure that the goal is actually working. And I love that. It doesn't have to be something intensive that is um, overwhelming to anybody on the team. Amy's just saying circle back for accountability. A lot of times we can have that accountability written right into the IEP in the note section of like parent and teacher will connect every 30 days, you know, or like once a month to make sure accommodations are happening or data is being shared. And, and so there's ways to have it written. And then there's just common sense in making sure that we're checking in on those things. A lot of times in special education, common sense is not common practice because we get overwhelmed with the system and what we think the system should be doing when really we could, you know, collaborate on more of a team level and recognize, you know, yes, we need some grace. Yes, we're all human. Yes, we're going to make some mistakes, but yes, we can have accountability too. So I just want to let everybody know that Jessica, Kirby, Amy, and Carla are all part of the Master IEP Coach Network. If you want to connect with any of them, you can go find them at myiepcoach.com. If you don't see their name, go ahead and just fill out the form and let them know, uh, let us know that you have um, heard them on the Special Education Inner Circle podcast, and we'll make sure that you get connected. Also, if you are thinking about becoming a Master IEP Coach, be sure to visit masteriepcoach.com. As always, we appreciate if you'll drop a review on iTunes. When we get reviews, we get found by more parents and teachers, and we all know that we need to start working together in our special education community to build better IEPs. Thank you, Jessica Kirby, Amy, and Carla for being here today.